The Nerd Initiative presents the Comic Press Podcast. What is going on, everybody? Thank you and welcome back to the Comic Press Podcast. I'm your host, JJ or Jeremy, whatever you want to call me is just fine by me. I am here today with my very special guest, Hedwig Heather Hale. I'm not sure what you prefer, so I just went ahead and threw it all in there. <laughs> How are you doing? That's fine. That's generally what I do, too. I, you know, I found out that there was another Heather Hale who is a writer who has red hair and glasses. And, you know, I was never that attached to my first name in the first place, so I decided to choose a pen name that more felt like my spirit animal. So, hence, Hedwig was born. I mean, there's way worse spirit animals to choose from. <laughs> you, you can't really go wrong with Hedwig. No, I like it. And I like the <laughs> HH that I did want to keep that. Yeah, exactly. So, it's still your initials, you know. Mm -hmm. That makes sense. So the first thing we like to do here at Nerd Initiative in general, but especially on the Comic Press podcast, is get everybody's nerd origin story. So like how you got into comic books or whatever you think was like your birth of your nerddom, if that makes sense. <laughs> no, that totally makes sense. I mean, I'm a nerd of like so many things, so many things. And a lot of them, I honestly think the thing, the most formative thing in my life was like an obsession with Pee Wee's Playhouse as a kid. I think that that really like contributed to my identity in a big way. I mean, I also like grew up like loving nerd stuff. I mean, I actually didn't get that into comics until late high school, college. I just like never had money and like never really had mm -hmm. an end to that, but definitely always into like big Miyazaki person. Uh, I have a Totoro was my first tattoo. My sisters have the little two Totoros, my two little sisters. So love that i love anime love you know battle star i love <laughs> comics i love Basically a lot all of, of it stuff. all most of it i don't do star wars so don't judge me i just okay. didn't grow up with it so i don't have the same like attachment to it that people have mm -hmm. and so many people have tried to like make it happen with me with like star wars and harry potter and i'm like the more you try to get me to like it the more i'm never <laughs> <laughs> No, it makes sense. So that so it started with like anime and stuff then. Yeah, I mean, it started with just so I'm like such a fan, like I'm such a fan kind of person, like whether it's like me watching like Friends 468,000 times <laughs> growing up, like I, I get very like obsessed with things and like watch them a million times. So like when I'm when I love something, I'm like very hardcore about it. I was to say because my younger brother is huge into anime and manga so like that was his birth into anything and everything nerddom I think besides probably Power Rangers is what got us both officially started into everything but mm -hmm. but no that's cool anime and manga it seems to be like a kind of a popular thing that a lot of people get into first yeah I did, never did manga I think because I'm dyslexic and reading backwards mm. seemed like really like a complicated situation that would hurt my brain but definitely anime <laughs> definitely Miyazaki in particular I love that his new movie he's just like I'm not doing any marketing I'm not even doing a poster you can see it if you want like that's pretty pretty hardcore I mean that just shows that. your confidence level in your work right there I mean if you're like I don't marketing. need to promote this you just know it's gonna be good <laughs> I mean respect right 100 percent so what got you started into like actual comic books? Like what was the first 
was it superheroes that got you into it was it indie books was it a certain publisher it was more indie books i like i got really into i'm from pittsburgh originally and there's the big carnegie library that's in oakland and especially when i was like in college i would just go there all the time and i loved going into the graphic novel comics section and getting like just letting my senses guide me to like bottomless belly button and like jeremy brown and like you know it was always like big and like punk music kind of scene so i think that's kind of where i started like snake pit that kind of stuff like that oh, was wow. really okay, my, yeah. my first most favorite stuff but i you know this is expensive i didn't have any money so the library was huge for me when i was younger because it let me explore that i also loved like the foreign movie section i would just like that's how i got into bollywood and like all these different things like the library is amazing because you can just go in and be like what's this this could be cool i'm gonna check it out and you never know what you're gonna get and now i can actually sometimes walk into a comic store and do that and be like oh wow what's this like and just pick like i try to still do that even in stores like just let my i don't know my senses guide me to whatever calls to me <laughs> Right. Well, because you never know when you're going to find like your new all time favorite series. Like, I don't oh, know. Oh, yeah. At least probably the last two years. I'm like, this is my new favorite book. This is my new favorite. And it's like every other month. Like <laughs> yeah. No, it's great. It's it's so and there's so much. And like, I can't even pretend to like, I know everything because I, you know, I kind of just like when I'm interested in something or somebody lends me something or you know i'm drawn to something in the shop i'll usually end up going down a rabbit hole like oh i need to get all this person's books and you know i'm definitely very hardcore like brian k vaughn person that's the one okay. thing that i will like always get all those i haven't done spectators yet i'm downloading it for a long trip hey, uh, hey that's a good one for a long trip so i got an ipad specifically for spectators uh, for wow trip, so I mean, for other reasons too, but like really, right. like, it would <laughs> that be was great like if I had an iPad. Like, hey, you know what gives me an excuse to buy that? <laughs> yeah. And I do, I used to read, I haven't read comics on an iPad in a long time. I do love like tangible stuff, but I'm going to try it again because I do like zooming in. I'm pretty blind. So it's cool to like have that, <laughs> you know, access to like really look at the weird little stuff. Like, yeah. It's always fun. No, that is really cool. That's like one advantage to uh, reading something digitally over sometimes physical media even though i love my physical media but you can you can zoom in and actually like examine all the little detail that the artist put into everything and sometimes that's a yeah. lot yeah and even just text and stuff like as a blind person it's just like nice too and i love like lettering and stuff i like taught myself how to letter and um that's something i want to get more into doing and i just like i really appreciate lettering so that's another fun thing to just like examine closely what 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 was your uh grab like what pulled you into like really getting into that with the lettering because i know that's not something that's very very appreciated in the comic book industry unfortunately i mean i love fonts and like graphic design and stuff and i've always been super into that especially fonts and especially like handwritten fonts just like a weird thing that i like and so when i started doing she bites when we did the ash can i was like i'm gonna letter it plus as a writer it gives you like ultimate creative control because you can like be editing up until the last minute and be like, oh, these words look better in the bubble. And like, I love that. And I love right. doing it. It's like, as somebody who's not an artist, it's a way to like contribute artistically, which I really like also. So oh, I yeah, didn't end up getting to letter the the final comic, but I did letter the ash can. 
Because, well, I mean, in my opinion, I've said this before in other interviews, let, bad lettering can break a comic for me. Like, if it's yeah. too difficult to read or if everything is, like, squished all together, it's like, I don't want to read that. Yeah, I come from a weird background of, like, video editing and actually did subtitle editing for Drama Fever, this Korean TV drama company years ago, which I also love Korean dramas. It's another weird thing I got into, but... Um, okay. You know, and even just like the timing and like amount of words that are on a lot, like there's a, a really like an art and a science to subtitles even. And I just like have an appreciation for that. <laughs> really? I didn't think there was that, you know, much thought put into the subtitles. I figured well, sometimes it was just... there isn't. And now because I did it when I watch bad ones, I'm like, I can't watch this. <laughs> <laughs> now you got me like analyzing my own subtitles in my head like, dang. Don't do it. Don't let me ruin your subtitle reader. I had a perfect subtitle reader because I went to film school and I watched like tons of foreign movies and I was like, I can watch it and read it and my, my brain works perfectly. And then I took this job and my brain just never worked correctly. <laughs> subtitles ever again. Oh, that's kind of how it goes. You know, I mean, you could love pizza, but you work at a pizza place for too long. You don't want to look at it anymore. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I still do watch things with subtitles because I love foreign stuff, but you know, it is it is a kryptonite of mine now. Right. Cause now you're analyzing it every time you're watching it too. Yeah. So with all that, let's go ahead and get into your, now was this your first series? I'm just curious. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I, um, I come from more of like a screenwriting kind of background. I've always, lo I've loved comics for years, you know, like since late high school, college. And as somebody who was writing scripts and, you know, I, was just writing scripts that I was hoping my agent would like and like that would be good samples for shows that I like just trying to get staffed on a show and but also obviously writing things that I loved um and I wrote She Bites as a as a sitcom as like a half hour sample like years ago and I loved it and I as soon as I finished it I was like this would make a great comic I'd love for this to be a comic and I like talked to my agent and stuff about it but like it's a very weird business to break into, I'm sure you know, especially as a writer, not an artist. So I was, they didn't really know how to guide me. And then mm -hmm. during quarantine, I just saw a deadline article about the first script to comic contest. And I was like, hmm, I can enter that. I don't enter a lot of contests because you have to like pay for them. And like, I never win anything. So it was like a big right. shock to me to win the first script to comic. <laughs> that's awesome, though. So that's how it happened. That's cool because it does like before we get into the actual book, it does very much like it gave off that feel. It felt like a sitcom as I was reading it. Yeah, it was definitely a lot of thought put into like the engine of the characters and, you know, how it would work. I mean, it was really an interesting challenge to adapt it from a script to a comic, even though it's like pretty similar. It's kind of like the three issues are the three acts, more or less, of the, mm -hmm. of the script. But it was just such an interesting as somebody who comes from like a directing and editing and writing background, like it's, it exercises different parts of your brain that like I never thought about. And it was just really cool and interesting and weird to figure out how to do it. That's awesome. So bef right before we get into the book, I want to give everybody uh, that doesn't want to get anything spoiled, this little spoiler warning right here. And also because of the content of the book, um, we are going to go ahead and put up this. And it says, in this episode, we will be discussing horror elements that may be disturbing to some viewers. Viewer discretion is advised for young viewers or listeners. 
there are sensitive topics that may be triggering to some and related to the horror genre. So and now that the help. little quick disclaimer, yes, <laughs> we, we are all about that here. So that way, in case you guys are sensitive to that, you can go ahead and click away. But with all that out of the way, let's talk about She Bites. What was the, I know you said you wrote this as kind of like a sitcom. What made you pick this genre specifically with, with the vampires and it, it's, it's almost like a horror comedy at times too. No, it's absolutely a horror comedy and was meant to be a horror comedy, which is honestly my favorite genre. And it's where I always tend to gravitate in my writing. I'm like a huge, huge Evil Dead fan. And I think I started writing this. I was really inspired by like Ash versus Evil Dead, the show, the tone of that. I was really inspired by the tone of like Barry. I love Barry. Um, and all and mental health stuff is always like really important to me, but I think it's important to like kind of take the piss out of it because it's so hard like those mm -hmm. things those topics are so hard to deal with that putting them in that context of genre i think really helps like i think to, back to like oh sorry I'm no in. no worries <laughs> hang on baby sorry guys i got that's, a sick that's puppy the, that's the beautiful this is beauty of live oh hang on <laughs> <laughs> hang on hang on Sorry, That's I'm doing a podcast. I'm talking to <laughs> Sorry. That was my landlord and my puppy. Okay. So basically, um, I I love genre stuff. And I think it's such a cool context to tell stories in. Like, I think back to, like, Evangelion and how that deals with <laughs> puberty and how I don't think any story about like puberty and coming of age and difficulties with your parents could be as powerful as it is in that genre context. So I love that. I'm from Pittsburgh again, like zombies, horror, vampire. Oh, I'm from Columbus, like, Ohio. Stuff. Trust me. That's all. That's we're all about it here too. <laughs> yeah. That's like in our bones. And so it just feels like a natural storytelling medium. I also was really lucky. I did this weird like weekend of a job like years ago when I lived in New York when they were turning what we do in the shadows into a TV show from the movie mm -hmm. I got to be like a writer's assistant for those guys for like Jesse Armstrong who's now the succession guy and like his partner Sam Bain and um, Jermaine Clement like I was just their assistant for three days and I left that feeling like so inspired and just like thinking about it in that context so I think there's like a little bit of that I got some juice from that project and then eventually, you know, became this like years later. Yeah. And like when I've picked this up at the comic shelves, when issue one first came out in shops, I was not, it was not exactly what I expected, especially by the end of the first arc, because I was expecting just like a creepy little girl vampire <laughs> horror story, you know, that's, but that's not what this is really at all. No, I think it's it's a buddy comedy. It's a horror comedy. It's a story about like people who are lonely and need each other and find each other in both kind of less than ideal situations. Like people who have things to offer that the other one just doesn't have, even though it's a very dysfunctional relationship. It's really a, a relationship story more than anything about these two friends. Well, then let's get into the friends. So the first person we're introduced to is Elise. And I knew Elise was going to be trouble immediately because if the cat is hissing at you when you come in the door, I feel like that's just a universal horror trope that like that person's probably bad news. <laughs> <laughs> 
So could you give everybody like a quick, like good synopsis of everything? Yeah. I mean, just of the beginning of the story of the introduction. Yeah. Like, because I don't want to spoil the entire story for everybody, but uh, let's at least like dive into issue one for people real good. Sure. Sure. So, I mean, in issue one, I kind of wanted to set up both of the characters and kind of like they're living in the same world, but the way they're interacting with the world is different. So in the first issue, you see Elsie go into this bodega, like little 7-Eleven kind of store. The cat hisses at her. She's buying a bunch of weird bleach and stuff just to kind of like, what is this? Could this girl possibly be doing? She gets followed by some creepy guys. You kind of, I wanted you to see her kind of as a victim or at least be, see that she's this little girl and she's alone and it's dark and she's on a creepy street. She's in a creepy situation, but she's very confident and with a lot of money in her wallet. Yeah, she has a huge wad of cash. Like, she's just like, you know, she's living a weird situation <laughs> off the bat. 100%. Because, yeah, they follow her, and you realize this is not your helpless little girl very quickly. Yes, and I really wanted there to be this switch in Elsie from when she's a little girl and when she's a vampire. Because when she's a vampire, she's a fucking vampire. Sorry, I'm not going to lie to swear. She's a GD <laughs> vampire. Um and she I was really, gonna say it's, it's not a big deal. We try to keep it family friendly for the most part, but you I guys were given a horror gruesome. disclaimer yeah. at the beginning, so I think for this episode <laughs> we'll be okay. An inappropriate uh, comic book, comedy writer, but yeah. So I wanted it to be gruesome when I worked with Alberto, who's the artist, who's unbelievably talented. Um, I was like, make it gruesome. I want there to be a real change when she goes into vampire mode, especially in these first guys. I want it to be like. And so hopefully we've accomplished the gruesomeness. <laughs> oh, I mean, I, I would say so. But it, it's <laughs> also kind of cool because like when she does transform, she's not completely different looking. Like it actually looks yeah. like it would be a natural transformation for her bone structure and everything. <laughs> like the artist did no, an amazing Alberto did job. A great job. Yeah, he's so talented and I was really lucky to work with him. He would have loved to have been on it himself, but his English is not his first language. And even though he we communicated great and he obviously did an amazing job, he's also in Grand Canaria, I think. So like time zone wise, it just he would have loved right. to have done it. I was gonna <laughs> say he would have been regards. more than welcome. He's he, yeah, he sends his regards. I was gonna say accents don't bother us a bit here. So <laughs> <laughs> so after we see that horror scene, we are introduced to Brenda. Yeah, so I have Brenda kind of go through the same routine as Elsie, where she's walking at night, she goes to the bodega, but the cat likes her, and at the end of Elsie's scene, she kind of puts up this flyer, but we don't see what it says, and it's babysitter wanted flyer. Fun fact about this uh, page with the babysitter wanted flyer is my one of my favorite pages, because all the flyers are little Easter eggs to my family. <laughs> Oh, are they so, really? Yeah, so like Ruffman Craft, Ruffman Craft Show. That's like my grandma does crafts, and like I just oh, thought that's awesome. Little, little thing, like the series pizzas, like my favorite pizza place in Pittsburgh, Swamp Walk, and Thirty Years Later, my dad and my sister's band. So like it just, you know, it was fun to put some little like Easter eggs in that that page. Right. I kept trying to see if they would spot it on their own. I'm like, look at this page. It like took me a long time. <laughs> convey it to my family that that's what this was but you know they could get it now and yeah you know, well you know not everybody gets it right away it's all right <laughs> I was like i might never make another comic i gotta put some easter eggs in there right 
But this is where we start dealing with the mental health issues in the book, because as we see, uh, Brenda is, you know, making a scrapbook of, um, for lack of a better term, suicide locations. Yeah, of her dream suicide locations, you know, very nonchalantly making a scrapbook about it. She's trying to figure out how she's going to kill herself because, I mean, you find out that she just graduated from high school. It was her dream to go to music college and she didn't get in. And now she doesn't know what to like. That's what she invested everything in. And it's a little bit based off my own personal experience. I wasn't quite at that point at that point, but I also had dreams in high school that felt so, so big to me and like Mm -hmm. put everything into them. And then you don't get to do what you want to do because of college admissions. And you feel like such a fit, like, what am I going to do now? I'm stuck in this town that I don't, you know, it's just, she's in a bad place where she doesn't see a life living worth on the other side which even though like it's handled in a comedic way like if you read especially till the end of issue three you kind of understand like the scope of the story and like what these friends do for each other oh 100 percent. it's it's a really I, I think it's a really important story to actually be out there right now given the huge rise in bad mental health at the moment it's, yeah. it's a it's a book that needs to exist but this is where they first meet each other obviously brenda has answered the babysitter ad because she needs money and this is one of the my favorite parts of the first issue is this whole interview scene that goes on <laughs> yeah she answers the ad because she wants to kill herself in scotland that's her big dream she wants to at least go to europe before she dies so she can jump off a majestic cliff so she answers the ad she goes to this creepy house where Elsie is like sitting in the dark, like a creepy parent waiting for their kids to come home. <laughs> and she very bluntly interviews Brenda, who's kind of like pandering to her, thinking she's a regular little girl. She brings the Lion King. She's like, no, what are you talking about? We're not watching Lion King. And she asks her a bunch of very invasive questions about she like, the parents. She the and the glasses. Like, yeah, okay, she's she, like, this girl's I mean, serious. <laughs> yeah, no, she's not really messing around. I mean, she needs some help and she's needs the right person. And that's kind of like, I wanted Brenda to be the perfect fit for Elsie. Like, Sure, she could hire anyone and like just eat them or whatever, but like Brenda offers very specific things that make her a really good fit for Elsie. Yeah, like you know, there's nobody really worried about her whereabouts. She doesn't have any long term ambitions. Like, she doesn't have a strong personality. Like, she's kind of like easily manipulated. Like, she's you can walk all over her kind of person. She just wants some quick money and will kind of do whatever. Yeah, and then when we uh, we'll go ahead and move the Comic Press logo out of the way real quick because that is right where she uh, reveals herself to be a vampire, and of course Brenda laughs laughs it off a hundred percent at first. Yeah, she's like, you know, Elsie. Elsie gets this all the time. Like she's super annoyed because like she is legitimately a vampire who could kill everyone if she wanted to, but she's just trying to get by and get the things that she needs. And she needs some help. And of course, she's just annoyed. That's her response. Like, she's very blunt. She doesn't hide the fact she's a vampire. She's like, look, there's a catch to this job. I'm a vampire. And Brenda, of course, doesn't believe her. And she soon finds out that. Yeah, it doesn't take long for her to discover that it's all legit. Yeah, so she walks into the bathroom um, and finds the two boys from the beginning who were trying to rob Elsie. kind of strung up and bled into the tub 
with like some empty blood filled Zima bottles around that <laughs> Elsie, you know, is collecting her, you know, meals. And the boy, it's one of my favorite things is that Brenda's response to finding these dead boys <laughs> and being horrified is she's horrified that there's dead boys there, but she's also horrified that they're nude. And it's the first time that she's seeing a live penis and she's really disturbed by that. The, and I love that because that, she, that is what she focused on. <laughs> oh my God. I was laughing so hard when I first read that page because I'm like, of all the things that could be freaking you out and making you vomit right now, it's the penises I love, that's. <laughs> I love these pages so much. And when we were looking for artists and we had a bunch of people do test pages, because it's it's a it's a comic with a really specific tone, and we needed to mm -hmm. find like somebody who could walk that line of like funny and cute and also like disgusting and horror. And um, that was a tough thing to find. So I had them draw these two pages with the bathroom. I had everybody draw that. And so it was really fun and funny to like see people try to draw this, especially because I've tried to have this thing where she like Elsie throws a washcloth over the guy's like penis to like mm -hmm. cover it, like shut up, you baby. It's right. a hard thing to draw in a comic. Like when I pictured it, writing it, I was like, oh, okay, that's something we could do. But it's harder to draw than you think. And it was very interesting to try to like figure out how to capture this scene. But Alberta did such an amazing job. And then when they finally come to an agreement on like, you know, a pay rate and her, she still takes the job first off. So that's surprising in and of itself. But secondly, the only thing she asks is to not make her look at a penis again. I mean, I think she's being a little facetious, but um, <laughs> she's like, you know, they have a little bit of a shtick going. She's like, you got a pro I was like, fine, I'll be your vampire babysitter. Like, right. yes, there's dead boys here. But like, she really, I mean, Brenda's like literally the means that she's trying to achieve is money to kill herself. Right. So, so she, I think she's a little beyond the low. point of caring what her surroundings are at this point. And she doesn't really care that she's in danger. Like Elsie could obviously kill her too, but like she doesn't it's care. kind of the goal. Like... And it's not fun for Elsie to kill her because she wants to die anyway. So it's just like, they're in an interesting like lockstep in that way. Yeah. But, and like I said, guys, the, the story does not just go all dark. Like it actually, it, the end of the arc actually has a very sweet ending, I think. Yeah. I mean, in its own I, twisted I, way. <laughs> yeah. No, there's always like, I, I want to keep a balance of like funny and dark humor and actual friendship and growth and like that's important like i love shows that are just like the absurd like i love like an all it's always sunny or like a veep or whatever but that's just totally in that world of the genre and being a farce of itself but mm -hmm. i have a hard time writing that and i have a hard time really connecting to those kind of stories because i need the heart to like i need the heart to be like real in there and i think mm -hmm. like that's something i'm really happy that was able to come across in this because like it's it's very dark it's funny, it's gross, but there's like really a heart in there. No, there really is. And like by the end of it, you actually feel a lot better, you know? <laughs> yeah. Where you go into it thinking, oh, I'm going to see a, a slaughter fest, you know, a little girl vampire, you automatically assume she's just going to ace and don't everybody. Worry. I mean, like she, she will kill people. Like, right. Um, oh, yeah. No, you get your fair <laughs> share of blood and gore if that's what you're after. That Don't get me wrong. But it's it's a lot more than that. And that, I think that's why I liked it so much when I first read it. I'm like, this is not your typical thing you see on a comic shelf. Well, I'm so glad. 
So this was your first book. Was this a hard sell to get to a publisher or did Scout just kind of, nope, well, this so is I great. Won I, will the take contest. It. I won the contest. So they had read the script. Like they knew what the uh, script was. Okay. Like it's very similar to the script that I had submitted. So they knew exactly what they were getting when they, you know, kind of like bought on to do the books. Well, that's always so, a plus right there. <laughs> it takes yeah, a little bit I of mean, a struggle out it was, of it. It was definitely, I mean, there was definitely a lot of like steps along the process. Like there's still a million things creatively to worry about. But like, I was very fortunate that like the story on the whole, I mean, the way that it's told is obviously a little different because it's a comic, not a script anymore. But mm -hmm. the story itself and the humor and like the core of it is all still very much the same. As well, was. and like I said, when I was first reading it, it kind of read off like uh, almost like a uh, like a buddy, almost like a buddy cop uh, film. But yeah, and that's like a little girl yeah. vampire and her suicidal babysitter, like yeah. <laughs> <laughs> which like I love, and I'm so happy that it it got to exist. Oh, hundred percent. So, are you uh, possibly working on anything in the future for? I mean, I would love to do more of this. We're still like figuring it out with Scout. There's like some things that are happening with SheBite specifically that I'm not sure like what I'm allowed to say or not, oh. but it might be like moving into some other, you know, mediums in the future possibly mm -hmm. or trying to, um, which would be cool. Again, like, I don't know, a lot of stuff is up in the air about that. But I mean, as far as me and my future like comic projects is, I mean, I love comics. I feel so stoked that I got to make this comic and write. Even as I was working on this comic, I um, there was an artist who I loved her um, test pages that she did for us, but they were like not quite the exact right fit. Because again, the tone of this is so specific. Mm -hmm. I loved her work and it reminded me of another script that I had written like years ago that I had started um, that's another like horror comedy it's kind of like a Buffy in a Catholic insane asylum kind of thing and I was like oh, I want to do that with her like I just got like so excited by the medium and so I've been trying to work on I've been pitching that to publishers and hoping that you know maybe that'll get to exist next that'd be really cool um but yeah it's a similar tone like I'd love to do more stuff in this genre and um I just like I love working with artists. It's so amazing. Just I'm such a fan of artists and, and such in awe of what they do. And like the first time I got to see Elsie and Brenda like drawn by anyone, I cried. I was like, this is amazing. <laughs> well, so it's like your baby was, coming to life, you know? Like yeah, it's amazing. So I, you know, it was a great experience for me to make the comic. I hope they'll let me make more. I'm trying. Well, they really okay. should because um <laughs> Scout Comics, if you're listening, um <laughs> What are you doing? Come on now. <laughs> you know you got a winner. I mean, you know, I just, I love telling stories. I love collaborating with people. And I, you know, I'm hopeful that I'll make more comics because I do love doing it. And I got more messed up mental health horror comedies inside of me. <laughs> They're just waiting to come out. Well, I really hope we get to see those soon. So I want to dive in real quick before we start, like, you know, wrapping things up, because I don't want to keep you all night because I know you've had a, a heck of a day. Um, the puppy hasn't what, barfed in like 20 minutes. So, like, we're doing great. We're making progress then. <laughs> so <laughs> uh, what are like the differences when you are working on like 
say a script for like a Korean drama show as opposed to a script for a comic book? Because I know those are two totally different mediums. So I'm assuming it's a completely different creative process. Well, I didn't actually get to write any Korean dramas. I would have loved to, but I just did subtitles. Like I literally okay. worked on the subtitles. Like got you, got you, got you. People's fan subs that like didn't really make sense quite in English, and I like fixed them. Like, well, I <laughs> so I wish that I could be like, yes, I've written a lot of Korean TV dramas, but I haven't. Right. Um, but the difference I think between writing a script and writing a comic is writing a comic is more like directing i think because of the storyboarding aspect like you have to see everything visually like in film school they teach you like show don't tell and like that's more true than ever in comics but like right. words are also really important but as a person who's kind of a verbose person as you can tell as i ramble on and on and like has that kind of gilmore girls like blah, 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 like <laughs> paragraphs that i want people to say like figuring out what words to say and to get things across in the least amount of space, but still have the same like punchiness mm -hmm. was a challenge, but also something that I do all the time because I like for better or worse work in like marketing on my, in my, as my day job. So it's all about like, you know, the least words, it's like a poem, you know, and you got to get it across <laughs> in the best way and the shortest way possible. Right. It's got to flow out real nice, you know, but like thinking about the, the pages and like the way that the page turns work. And like, I had this crazy um, whiteboard that I made and I like did these ter terrible, terrible drawings of like, you know, like a head and like whatever, just to like make it make sense in my own mm -hmm. brain of like how, and I think learning to do the lettering actually really helped me think about that too. Like, I do think that that really helped me in the, my creative process when I was working on it. But I don't know. It's an interesting challenge. It definitely uses a totally different part of your brain than screenwriting does. Right. Because there's not as much dialogue. Like, if you, you know, give actors a screenplay, they've got dialogue to work with. You know, there's well, they've got dialogue <laughs> and they've got, you know, like scene descriptions, which like right. you, you can give to an artist, but it's still like you have to convey so much just in one single frame. So it's just, it's a really interesting challenge. Yeah. And I'm always like hearing different uh, comic creators like takes on that because it, I've heard a couple of people say they came from the screenwriting world and jumped into comic books and they say they like the comic book medium better, but I mean, I like them both. They definitely like, I think screenwriting is easier because that's what I came from. And you can like put more stuff on the, you can be less like, you don't have to be as precious. You can just kind of be like, mm -hmm. she is doing this and then she does it. And then he moves and he does this. But like when somebody right. moves in a comic, like you can't really convey it. You have to like, it's just, it's a weird, like brain teaser. <laughs> right. Cause there's no actual motion happening on the page. Like yeah. in, in, in a screenplay, there's people moving around, there's cameras moving, there's stuff going on in the background. But I think once you like figure it out, like I wrote, comic like paneling scripts for all of like my newer project before I pitched it and so I was like okay I kind of know how to do this now it was just like a learning curve to figure out like what that language is and I think a lot of writers do things differently depending on who their artist is you know and you want to try to give your artist room to be creative but you also need to tell them what to do. so it's just like a weird 
collaborative balance that you have to find with like whoever you're working with. And then um, last question before we start getting out of here, do you have any advice for other people trying to get into writing comic books? I mean, it's hard. I don't know. I like kind of lucked out doing the, <laughs> doing the right, right. I'd say like, if you have a friend who is an artist that you can work with to make something like make something like that's obviously the number one advice to anyone wanting to do anything creative is just to don't wait for permission like just mm -hmm. make something as much as you can but i mean if you want to write comics like you could just start with writing stories like this was a story that i wrote in a different medium that just because you write something and like put it on the shelf for a couple years, like you can always get stuff back out and work on it and work on it. Like that's what I do all the time. Like no project that you ever write is wasted and can always be used in different mediums and in different contexts, or it might mean something else to you at a different point in your life. And you can offer more to that same story. So like write stories. Just if you don't have an artist to do things with you and you love comics, just like read a bunch of comics and like write a bunch of stories and like go to Comic-Con and find a cool art, you know, find somebody you can partner with and, and make stuff and that wants to do that. Cause it's like, it's a lot of work. And when you're doing it for free, it's hard, yeah. but 100%. it's worth it. I mean, I'm, I have a, um, I do, I have to remember to plug this tomorrow if you're in LA at Revenge of Comics, which is a very cool comic store. Um, I'm doing a cool artist market. So I'll have some comics there and um, a bunch of other art stuff that I do. So swing by if you're in LA. <laughs> awesome. See, well, I was just about to ask you if there was anything you wanted to plug real quick before we That's got out it. of here. That's the thing, you know, and it'll be cool if you come and buy a comic from me, I will actually make money from that comic. See, and it's not like I'm making money. You're actually helping the creator. You're not making some big corporation any money. Yeah, I mean, not the scouts of big corporation. Like, you no, no, I mean, so scouts. I, I've, I've met uh, Andre, the uh, editing director over there, and he's super nice guy in person. No, they're all, like, they're all great. And um, it's just, it's hard, you know? It's not like you're going to make a million dollars making comics, probably, unless you're, like, really, really lucky. I think you have to just love it. You want to mm -hmm. make stuff. And you got to just make stuff. Oh, there it is. Um, if they want to follow you online, where can they find you easiest? Um, my Instagram, because I'm an elder millennial, is uh, at Heather Makes Things. Um, and that's probably the best place to find me. Um, you can also find my puppy on there, who is uh, currently sick, but she's very cute. I'm going to try to make her an Instagram star so I can just work for her. That's really my new Hey, about. there you go. Make make the dog earn their keep. That's what I say. I know, right? There. right? She's like <laughs> sitting around barfing today, like puppy having. It's crazy. Well, before we get out of here, I just want to make sure everybody is aware. The next episode of the Comic Press is going to feature Marcus and Nassau and the rest of the team from By the Horns from, from Scout Comics, and that's going to be on August third. Uh, next episode of Fandoms from Nerd Initiative is one week from tonight at 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time right here on the Nerd Initiative YouTube channel. Also, newly added to the Nerd Initiative team is the Nerd Initiative bullpen. Every Wednesday, be sure to check out nerdinitiative.com for all your new comic book day coverage, reviews, and informational needs from the team members over here at the Nerd Initiative bullpen. My name is JJ with Nerd Initiative, and as always, everybody, please be safe, be kind, and take it easy.